Hello and welcome to Kicking Balls, the podcast where two 20-something Americans give out a whole lot of opinions on soccer as if they're fact. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week. Woohoo. Um, so I feel like we said last time, oh, haha, international break this coming week. It'll be easy. It'll be a light week. It's not. In classic fashion, we lied <laughs> to you. <laughs> yes, there's um, so much to say. And the last international break before World Cup uh, has seemed to have given us quite a bit to talk about. Um, but before that happens, we want to briefly touch on another piece of international soccer news that basically was breaking like right after we recorded last week almost yeah. I feel like so we didn't have time to include it um but we want to talk about it a little bit about it now and it's about the Spanish women's national team um and some stuff that's going on with them but I'll let Kat explain more yeah so part of this is a little bit confusing because most of the statements were in Spanish and my Spanish is not good enough to understand the nuances of it and the translations were not good unreliable or not the best of translations Uh um so i've done my best sort of cobble together my understanding of what's going on but for those of you who are completely unaware of what we're talking about um a little sort of brief recap is um, for quite some time now, there have been ongoing sorts of grumblings about the national team coach uh, for Spain for Spain's women. Um, there have been some some discussions, or, or not really open discussions, but some. There's been some very sort of um, everybody's sort of known for a while that there's been some issues amongst yeah. the the team between the team and the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's been allegations of toxic, you know, work environments, basically of um, like favoritism and sort of just sort of very bad things coming from the coach towards the team and just sort of like nothing like bad stuff is going on and that this has severely impacted um the success that the Spanish women's national team can have or is having um based on because I I think you know if you if you follow them at all you would agree that based on the level of talent that their players have you would sometimes expect them to have better results than they do. And they've never won, you know, a, a major trophy. And, and I even think even without their two biggest stars of Jenny Hermoso and Alexia Puteas this summer, I frankly think they should have beat England in that game. Um, yeah. What was it quarterfinal? Yeah. Um, so like, there's something to be said for what, for what sort of there has been said. But basically, this has all been mostly, it's all been behind closed doors. It's all been, you know, speculation on the part of the rest of us um, and sort of reading in between the lines on stuff and uh, all that. And basically, then last week, um, last weekend, I guess it was Friday, probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
the Spanish Federation uh, submitted a statement basically saying that I think it was 16 of their first team players had told the Federation that they did not want to be called up to the national team. Mm -hmm. The Federation statement, I'll be honest, was not a great look for them because Mm, they essentially were saying these 16 players are trying to blackmail us by not reporting to the team. They're trying to blackmail us into firing the national team coach. And if they don't report to the national team when called and apologize, then we're going to ban them from representing the Federation for two to five years, something like that. Um, And then basically then uh, and this of course blows up so then you know the 16 players um include pretty much all the big names uh atiana bomati uh alexia puteas like all all basically everyone basically everyone except jenny hermoso yeah (laughs) but basically everybody is in this group of players the group of players then issues a joint statement um saying confirming some of it and refuting other parts Um, essentially saying we've been trying to work with you for months and we've been trying to work with you and we're in this toxic environment that's not healthy for us physically or mentally And we are trying to work. We've been trying to tell you and trying to open a dialogue and nobody's listening to us. And that's not what we said. We didn't say we're not coming until you fire the coach. We said, we're not coming until you listen to us about opening a dialogue about this, the conditions of which we are playing under, Um, you know, and that we didn't make any of this public. This was not blackmail. This was not a public you know, you're accusing us of making a public spectacle of this. We didn't do anything publicly. You're the one doing these things publicly. Um, and now you're blackmailing us. <laughs> like we're basically, and, and there was a lot of sort of general chatter around it from the Spanish national team saying, look, we're not little girls. Um, no, we are putting our careers at our livelihoods at, at risk in Mm -hmm. you know less than a year before a world cup yeah and and like we're not basically like we're not fucking around like we're not doing this for funsies um and and this turns into a whole mess um basically now so i mean my takeaways is the spanish federation looks like assholes um which is not news not unexpected i would say um yes because um there's some pretty strongly founded it is well founded um i think accusations of uh nepotism towards the spanish national team coach on the women's Mm -hmm. side um yeah he's been their coach for a long long time a really long time which i hadn't realized without any results they have not won any major tournaments no and they 
and he's like his his like brother or uncle or somebody is like somebody like he's like related to people in in the federation and it just it all stinks all of it smells bad um and i will say that personally i was a little disappointed in jenny Hermoso for not taking a stronger stance um she released her own statement that essentially was along the lines of i support my teammates um but i think we can fix this without the drama basically which i think is i it bothers me i think because jenny hermoso is in a much stronger position yeah Yeah. at large in her career and and later in her career than a lot of the women involved in this yeah Um, in the sense that like jenny hermoso can weather a storm in a way that some of these other players she would hold less risk doing this i think than other other players who thought that they needed to and she's also probably not like and i think to contrast her and Puteus, like i think the two of them are like the least like there's the least risk yeah for them in the sense that i mean alexia Puteus, despite being injured right now is was last year the best player in the world mm-hmm. and is the of the best five players in the world like she's one of the best oh if yeah even. yeah i don't know think also anyone argues that. enough alexia puteus is the highest rated player period in oh yeah history. i saw that um, we love that we love that which i love she that. deserves uh, it um but she's the highest so you know she's but she's thrown her full weight behind this yeah um now she wasn't getting called up anyway because she's injured but yeah but i don't think that would have impacted i don't think if she, she was not injured that she wouldn't i like i don't yeah so she's technically not counted like when they list the 16 players or whatever her name is technically not on there but she oh. released the same joint statement with the other yeah. girls yeah. um that so she is amongst i expect had she been healthy her name would have been on that list yeah um basically i just think like also, she's probably not, her and Jenny Hermoso are probably not the players who are being most affected by this kind of thing. Like, those yeah. are two women that are going to play. They're going to play no matter what. Um, yeah. Unless they're hurt. Yeah. Um, and so I just feel like it's a it's a little bit disappointing for me that Jenny Hermoso is not taking a stronger stance. She's one of the, you know, the veterans of that team. And I, I just would have been nicer to see her take a stronger stance, but there are players from a variety of different federations um, that have thrown their support behind the women, Becky yeah. Sauerbrunn, Megan Rapinoe, Megan Rapinoe um, and a variety of others um, sort of well-known stars in the women's game have, have yeah. voiced their support for the women. Yeah. Um, but essentially like they don't have a lot of time to sort this out. Um, Not at all. Because like we just said, the World Cup is in less than a year. And with all this sort of internal strife, it's not good given that Spain could have a very, very strong team. But I'm going to be honest, I don't think there is a solution outside of firing the national team coach. If they're doing that, they need to do it now. Yeah, but I think the Federation is such dickheads that they don't want to do it. They don't want it. They're not going to do that. 
So I think that Spain is going to be a mess next year because I expect that a lot of these players will just not, will refuse to play. And yeah, good know. for them. And I yeah. think, I think that if it lasts that long, if the players refuse to play at the World Cup next year, Spain will not do well. Oh, and, absolutely not. And then we'll have to see what happens then. Like, I... I, I don't know. I don't know. It's an, it's a bad look for Spain. Um, it's not the best of looks for Jenny Hermoso. Uh, we'll keep I, you updated on what happens. I mean, it's yeah. going to be an evolving situation and I assume we're going to keep hearing stuff about it because it needs to at some point get resolved. Yeah. So we will imagine and, and I imagine um, because there's a, a women's international break in a week. Yeah. Maybe soon. I don't know if Spain has any games lined up, but I don't know either. It's yeah, it's clearly going to be an issue that needs to be figured out. Yeah. I don't know. They do. They have games the second week of October. Yeah. Including one against the United States. So oh, I was unaware of that, but I feel like I did know that I, cause well, that's cause all the hype's been going to us England. Um, oh, right. Wait, when? Oh, never mind. We can discuss this later, but pay attention yeah. to women's international break too. After we talk all about the men's international break in a couple of seconds. Um, cool. Anything else to add? Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. The other thing that really pisses me off, um, about this situation is that they, like, the Spanish Federation is claiming like nothing like this has ever happened before. It's completely unprecedented. Uh-huh. And that's like fully a hundred percent bullshit. Um, there was a thing with Australia's team years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And then of course, most famously, uh, Otto Hegerberg who yeah. didn't play for Norway for in like big games in a world cup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and she so, was arguably the best player in the world at the time that she did that. Yeah, like Yeah, I I don't know, but I don't think I don't think whatever happens is not going to look good on the Spanish Federation, right? Like whatever happens. Well, they they already look bad. They they already look like assholes. Yeah, but because they, could they look even worse in this situation. Yes, they can. They could look even worse. So, as far as I understand it, basically, they have not called up a team for, yet. Eng- I know England announced their team today. The U.S. did either yesterday or today. Yeah, uh, but. The Spain has not called a team yet, and that's where the real standoff is going to be. Right. I think. Yeah. Um, I would, because Spain I, yeah. is saying refusing to call to come to like res- answer the call up basically um, is what will 
triggered the like two to five year ban or whatever. Right, right, right. So I think when that roster, if they don't resolve it in the next couple of days and they call a roster and they call a roster that includes these women and they don't come. Uh, we'll What's see. What's going to happen? I don't know. I don't but know either. I expect we will, we'll have, I'm, I expect there will be some developments relatively soon. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you updated. Yeah. Um, as the weeks go on. So now moving into what I assume will be the bulk of this podcast. Um, we had the last international break for the men before the World Cup comes in November. I would like to say before we start talking about this, I don't think much weight has ever really been put on this like September international break like it has before. And I think if teams had played as they did without a World Cup coming up, I don't know if we really would have had much to say about it, like a little bit, but the stakes wouldn't have been that high. The stakes were very high and everyone looked like a kind of like a mess, a hot mess. Um, But we're going to start, we're going to start talking about just the nation league games, which is how the European teams were getting their games in during this break. Um, And we're kind of move on from there. Um. Yeah. So um, (laughs) what I took away from this to be, to be quite honest, um, was that everyone, and I do mean everyone, um, kind of looked like shit. Yeah. Um, there are a couple teams who went one and one, basically. Um, like France beat Austria, but then lost to Denmark. Oh, yeah, um, Denmark. And I Denmark did not think France looked particularly good. No. Um, but, like, I say that Denmark beat France, but they lost to Croatia 2-1. So yeah. Like- and then, like, Belgium beat Wales. They, Belgium should beat Wales. And then Belgium lost to the Dutch. Yeah. Um, when I said it was chaos, I meant it was actual chaos. Like- yeah. The Dutch did win both their games. Um, yeah. But I will say I watched Belgium-Netherlands, and honestly, it was boring game yeah you could kind of um, anticipated that I'm, I'm gonna be honest all of the games that I watched were boring I will say the like second half of the second half of the England Germany game was fun yeah I was somewhere for that where I couldn't watch it that but was like the only like, thing that was like oh why is this good soccer even though you kind of both look really bad <laughs> like so England looked like trash playing Italy on Friday. Absolutely. Uh, like before, before they, before they scored in the Germany game, they hadn't scored a goal in open play for like how long? Like for like six hundred minutes. <laughs> Ridiculous. Which, if you think about it, is like seven games. Um, not what you should be seeing from a no. team who, and I think of not they'd only scored one goal in that entire stretch of like seven games and it was a hurricane it was a pk wasn't it yeah yeah um anyway that was like not cute and they did not like they did not look good Uh, no and i we can talk about england a little bit later but uh, unless or i can talk about them now i don't know i I don't know how much in depth we need to go but 
but I, I, okay. I think I've been really since Euros. Yes. I've been, but even a little bit before that, but mostly I got loud about it during Euros. I've talked and I know it's like my whole brand to talk shit, but I have been really heavily critical of Southgate. Yes. Um, I was really critical of him in Euros and his decisions and his formation and his squad choice um, during Euros. And I think that remains to be a problem. Yeah, I think I think that that England got to that final um, in spite of Southgate, not because of Southgate. Um, yeah, the the Euro final. Yes, I I would agree with that. Especially because how he set up. Do you remember how he set up for the Euro final? It infuriated me. He looked like he set it up as if he was scared. He well, that's what I did. The entire of Euros, I called Southgate a coward, and he because he always plays with a double pivot. He always plays with two sixes. And this is what he makes no and and he has three now basically very talented sixes i will give him that he's got bellingham he's got declan rice and he's got um calvin phillips now we talked about this a little bit last week but calvin phillips is probably not playing at the world cup yeah so okay that gives you two sixes now if you've only got two sixes on your roster and i mean true sixes there are other guys who can play the six yeah yeah, yeah. only got two sixes on your roster why are you playing them both at the same time (laughs) i mean I feel like um, now and, a little bit. I, <laughs> I don't know. And I will give it to the sense that Bellingham is a different kind of six. Bellingham is a lot more aggressive. Will get involved in the attack a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I love Jude Bellingham, and I think him. He's very good. I have mixed feelings on Declan Rice, but whatever. We're not going to get into that. He's been um, fine. He's like, whatever. We don't need to get into my feelings about Declan Rice. Um, I know you had strong feelings. Bellingham about is him. a different type of six. He's a lot more aggressive. He gets really involved in the attack. He scores a lot of goals for a six yeah. um, he scores more goals than the average six so I, while I think he helps that problem playing him it, alongside Declan Rice as opposed to Calvin Phillips um, who while I have good things to say about is not an uh, aggressive six um, in that way no no it, it doesn't because I feel like their biggest issue England's is that they can't get a good attack going yeah Um, and when you can't get a good attack transition going that comes from your midfield right that's where your transition play comes from your midfield and when you have two really defensive-minded players who are there to essentially put out fires and then try to defend high up the field when you're already up the field and aren't there for transitioning the ball um yeah like you run into problems and that's where I think like like Mason Mount has had his fair share of criticism recently. And I think much of that is fair because he's not played well for Chelsea. Yeah. But like, that's where players like Mason Mount and Phil Foden, who should be, in my opinion, playing in the midfield for England. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a reason he doesn't play the 10 position at city. And that's because city has Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. <laughs> the best in the world. There's a reason. <laughs> But Foden should be playing there sort of behind the front line in the midfield for England because Foden and Mount are transit can be transition players. Foden is a great winger. He's great off the wing. Do not get me wrong. But he is great off the wing 
in a certain type of system yeah. that City plays that I don't know that England necessarily does. And you've got enough other young, talented wingers that you don't need Phil Foden to play yeah, on your I agree. I don't think they need him to play. Right? Like, people wing. are like, Foden or Saka, Foden or Saka. And I'm like, play Saka on the wing, play Foden in the midfield. No, I, think they need to play, they, I honestly like, think they, those two need to play at the same time. Because Foden has the the vision. He'll get his head up. He can both beat guys on the dribble and, and drive forward that way. Or he can pick out a pass to Harry Kane or Saka or Graylish or whoever yeah. is being up there. Like, yeah, I agree. So I just don't understand. Well, I do understand. Right. He won't play with. He won't play with. He'll only play with an inverted triangle with two sixes and one attacking midfielder. He won't play with two attacking midfielders nope. side by side. Maybe and he'll change his. Maybe he'll. Maybe he'll change his. Uh, change it. He'll listen he to this podcast. Gareth Southgate will listen to this podcast and change his strategy. Sure. He also can't seem to decide whether he wants to play a four in the back or a three in the back. And also, he has a big problem that is Harry Maguire. I will say Harry Maguire did not look terrible against Italy. I don't think he looked bad against Germany. Well, for some reason, like Harry Maguire looks trash for Man U, and he always looks like okay for England. I mean, like I don't know if he's like your ideal center back for a World Cup. <laughs> to rely on he's not but i think well and and i don't know if that's part of it that like why he keeps going between a back three and a back four i thought that that was why it was but i could be wrong that be fucking around with your like formation right before the world cup like you how do you not know if you're gonna play a back four or back three like i mean he doesn't know he doesn't know why I just, I think there hasn't been, I mean, like, I think. I just think he's not that smart. No, I mean, I I honestly, yeah. I think think that we can uh, potentially all agree with that statement. Um, Anyway. Anyway. We'll discuss, discuss, let's discuss England and like what we think in the World Cup when we talk about like our final predictions. Um, Okay. But. Just to finish going through some of the games, Germany lost to Hungary 1-0 in like yes. the first set first game. Um, yes. and Spain and lost. Tied. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, hold on. And then Spain lost to Switzerland. Yes. But then Germany came back and tied England. Yes. In quite a game, I would say. Um both teams didn't look good, but it was fully entertaining. Um, and we ended up with a tie. Um, yeah. So Spain, yeah, Spain lost to Switzerland, but then went ahead and beat Portugal. Yeah. Um, so take from that what you will. I the, guess I, that's kind of the theme of this. I think um, for anyone listening, being like, "What's going on?" Take. I think everybody is asking themselves, "What's going on?" Yeah, I don't think anyone knows. And again, I think that if this had happened without a World Cup coming up, I don't think we'd be like harboring on about this as much as we are. But it the European teams seemed a little bit all over the place. We wanted to say that both Argentina and Brazil looked pretty good in their games. I forget who they both played, but... Um, I know Argentina played Jamaica in their second game. I can't remember who they played in their first I don't either, but I mean, obviously, both Argentina and Brazil are favorites in the World Cup. 
um, along with a number of these European teams that we've well so mentioned. Um, I but, will say, I think after this window, if you're yes. looking at the state of teams right now, I think Argentina and Brazil have separated themselves. I yes, from yeah. the. I completely agree. And now a lot of people will point out that there have not been friendlies between the European teams and the South American teams. That's a fair point. But I think what is most telling to me is Argentina has not lost in what, 34 games? They they are on a bit of a roll and kind of Argentina have not lost since 2019. And they just beat recently beat Italy. Like Mm -hmm. and whatever that tournament whatever that was. is it's the euro winner versus the copa the america, copa america. Um, anyway but like that's a significant win even brazil the only team brazil has lost to in like the last two years is argentina, is argentina. yeah um so i will say the I one the, the point i'm making is momentum wise oh yeah i think it totally yeah and i completely agree and i do think i think like the nations league is what it is do i understand it no the one well, one of the many flaws is, is that it creates it so the European teams are just playing with each other during international breaks and you don't get that crossover yeah. as much, which I think is I definitely think that's my a downside. Biggest yeah, it's a pretty big downside and an unfortunate downside because I don't really understand the Nations League and I don't think anyone does. <laughs> anyway. I know, all I know is Kevin De Bruyne said he thinks it's stupid. He's so. also said he's played Wales like, 17 times out of 20 games or something like ridiculous um he's like he's like give me somebody else to fuck it up against um yeah anyway i will say the dutch are one of the only european teams um who won who are going to be in the world cup because italy won both of theirs but italy will not be in the world cup nope they lost the the who um won both their games yeah um, but I will say I did watch Belgium, Netherlands, and did not think they looked particularly scary. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, momentum-wise, confidence-wise, like that probably gives them some confidence going to the World Cup. But I, I still can't get a read on the Dutch. I think that you could get them beating Belgium, and you can get them losing to someone not Belgium. So, yeah, I just don't really have a read on them, and. I mean, of course, we'll get a read on them once the World Cup rolls around, but I can't really. I don't know. Um, Belgium drives me crazy because um, I don't understand, like, because I want them to win because I want Kevin De Bruyne to win, and I don't understand why Torgan Hazard does not play more. For Belgium, because I think he's better than his brother, and I said what I said. I feel like um, we've said this before. During, yes. When Euros was happening, we definitely yes. said this. It's not definitely it. said this. Um, <laughs> but anyways. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't really have a read on Belgium either. On it, I mean, like honestly, this after this, is, I don't have a read on like any of the teams. But it's hard to have a read on any of the European teams, to be quite honest. Um, but I will say this for Belgium. Um. This has been, they've been calling this Belgium's golden generation, basically. Yeah. Um, this is the last World Cup for Belgium. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that provides a, something a little bit different for them than 
the Spains and the Frances and the Germanys um, who are kind of always in the conversation um, and England even um, who have, you know, robust youth group groups of youth young players that are talented and um are stumbling sort of but they all know where I know already we're already we're going to be talking about that those these teams again in four years yeah um Belgium we will probably not be talking about still in four years um so I think that provides a different sort of dynamic for this Belgian team that could impact yeah I, I, mean, I think that's like again part of the world cup is not necessarily being the best team you need like something more right like yeah and i think that that's a great that definitely could impact the other thing that i want to say about this lackluster performance from the majority of national teams um is yeah the year the timing in the year perhaps I'm wondering if that impacts it because usually the world cup is going on in June July and it's a different there's a different energy to to the second half of the season than there is to the first half of the season there's a totally different energy absolutely Um, and I'm wondering if that is impacting I think it totally is I fully think it is yeah um so so that's that's sort of all I have to say on the miscellaneous other teams do you want shall we talk yeah we talk so, no, I think that you may have guessed the elephant in the room is the, that we're gonna spend a hot second talking about is the U.S. men's national team so let's set the stage we're playing Japan and Saudi Arabia now if you look at these two teams before we play, I would say, okay, Japan probably is going to be like a decent matchup. I think that Japan, if they weren't in a group with Germany and Spain, honestly, probably could get out of a group in the World Cup. Saudi Arabia, you'd expect us to be. They're like the lowest team in the whole World Cup. Anyway. Yep. What were the scores of these games? We lost two nothing to Japan, um, and I dragged my ass out of bed at six thirty in the morning to watch I'm very that. I watched the replay of it and did not watch it in the morning. Um, and then we tied Saudi Arabia zero zero. Yes. So I will. I will say this much: I did not watch the second game. I was actively on a plane. Yeah, um, I didn't watch it either because honestly, why would I put so, myself through that? I was quite literally on a plane. Um, so I was not watching it. But I, I have plenty to say about the U.S. men's national team. Yes. And can I just predicate first for the Japan game? Because I feel like it might get lost. Japan played a very good game. Like, oh, yeah. Like, not just that the U.S. played badly. Like, Japan is a highly it. organized, very good pressing, like, technical team. And I want to make sure that we give them the credit before we start saying yeah. that the U.S. just played terribly. So I just want yeah. to- Full credit make- to Japan, yeah. who are very well organized, very, they clearly have a, a game plan and tactics, um, and they worked. Um, and they yeah. executed them, them exactly how they would have wanted to. Um, that being said- <laughs> The U.S. looked like a mess either way. <laughs> oh, the amount of- I. The only good that came out of this stretch of games is that the amount of Greg Berhalter slander on my Twitter timeline finally matches my own feelings. 
Um, that's the only thing good that came out of this. But also saying Matt Turner, <laughs> one other potential. Matt Turner did look good. He was the only bright spot in the Japan game. As an Arsenal fan, that makes yeah. me happy. That Does he is... get the call over Zach Steffen? Who knows? But I think it's significant. Uh I think he does. I think so too. I think Matt Turner is our starter. I also think he's going to play more games in the coming month between now and the World Cup. Well, Stefan is on loan, remember. He's not at City anymore. Yeah. He's at Middlesbrough. But oh, so maybe he will play more. But I don't know. he picked up another injury. Oh. So I just know that. Because there's so many Europa League right league games that are right now. Yeah. Not Turner's playing in all those and the FA Cup, I think, for us. So yeah. So anyway, I not to say that I think Stefan should be starting or anything, but I do think if Stefan's healthy, he'll be getting plenty of game time. But um, yeah. I know I just wanted to mention I, I the one bright spot. <laughs> Turner is Turner is, in my opinion, the the starting goalkeeper for the US. Yeah. Um we're lost for words everybody i haven't realized like all right let's talk about what we can take away from these games maybe looking towards the world cup and what we can maybe be optimistic about perhaps i will say like Um, one one singular thing i'll say is that like i don't think any of our players look good and like our top players who you expect to show up for let's say a world cup didn't look good talking like McKenney didn't look great there was Adam an interesting was- point made about Weston McKinney being yeah. that this is a kid who for lack of a better word the guy's clutch yeah he's been clutch for the U.S. before he's mm-hmm. clutch for Juventus like he's he shows up in big games he's got a really good champions league record he shows he's not always consistently that best guy but he's fairly consistently that best guy on the biggest stages yeah and you would assume that that he'll turn up for the world cup yeah so i i do think he's he's also a player that could be impacted by his club's performance recently which has not been great not his own performance the club at large the club itself is in disarray in my opinion but um yes so uh, that's that um aronson i think aronson runs into trouble when because aronson is such a high pressure high press player yeah that he needs everybody else to also high press yep or what he's doing doesn't work um i would agree so that's that um, Could I say something funny that my stupid American announcer said? I don't know yeah. what they were doing. They were just talking. This was during the Japan game. And they were like, yeah, and like I, we think that Aronson should start. And we know a lot of people are like, ooh, like super sub. Like that's where he better, like he fits there better. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Most people these days think Aronson should start. I, th- I haven't thought to anyone in the past six months who has thought that Aronson should not be a starter on that team. Yeah. Like no. who's who who? Tell me, give me names who thinks he should be a super sub. Alexi Lalas. Yeah, but he's irrelevant. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like um. anyway. Um, but again, I wouldn't worry, like I think you're right. I, I also think like 
I also connotate the energy of these games for the energy of the World Cup, right? So you you expect everything to be just heightened, which I think will help us. Yes, I agree. I think one concerning thing is, of course, that Gio Reyna went down um, with another injury, a a little one. His Dortmund team has said he's only going to be out about a week. Um, yeah, seven but to ten that's days. Still, that's concerning. Um, concerning, and it does. I, I saw some comments back. made. I saw some comments made about whether or not perhaps Burhalter should not have called him into this group um, yep. because I, yep. he's been he's had such injury issues, and Dortmund has been so so careful with him. You can. They've been very good trying to get anything, him back. Dortmund has been very very careful with him. Um, and you just wonder whether he was really needed. He was, he's always going to make the roster. Like he's not going to not play. (laughs) He's always going to play if he's healthy. So like, why did we really need him in that, in this window and risk what happened? Luckily it's not going to impact his fitness at the world cup, but it could have. It could have. But I think that also circles us back to around to Berhalter not being a great coach. Yes. But perhaps that was maybe something that could have been impacted. There were a couple other guys who were not like I believe Tim Weah wasn't. He was he's hurt. He was has a minor he's, injury. Yeah, there's a handful nothing. of guys who have like who they expect to be back for the World Cup. I believe Anthony Robinson is another of them. Yes, I. Um, he's he's. I mean, if he's definitely unless he's injured, which he's it's not a long term thing. He's been no. He's actually I know killing he's it on Fulham. I saw something on Twitter today. Yeah, but like there's there's a decent. Um, there were a couple of guys like, and I think Wea is another guy who and Musa also did not yes. play in this window. Um, and those are our key players who I think, like those, especially, are, I really think was missing in the midfield. Huge, yeah. yeah. Big time. Um, and so, so I think it is worth noting that we were missing a couple of these, these sort of essentially, in my opinion, should be guaranteed starters. Um, yes. At the world. Um, so we're missing a couple of those, which is I mean, what like, it is. That's I mean, like, I do think like, like, and like our defense look like shambles but I don't think that that's our starting back line in any way um Aaron Long has no business being on our starting back line absolutely not I've talked to so many people about this if he's starting as a center back I'm gonna be honest Aaron Long has no business on a U.S. men's national team no so why are people talking about him as a starter explain because there is a lack of center backs. The U.S. is, that is one position where we are not the strongest because um, Chris Richards um, has had some injury issues and he's also very young um, and doesn't play center back all the time. Sometimes he plays outside back. Um, I still take him over Aaron Long. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I know I'm you are. You, but I'm just thinking, like in terms of depth, center back is probably our least deep position um some people would say goalie but I feel like more confident in goalie right now I do not I don't think we have a depth problem in goalie I think in terms of like I think we've got several because you well you don't need as many of them if you have two good ones you're good frankly if you have one you don't need as much depth in goalie as you do it we'd like to have two in case one one gets injured oh no it's good to have two but I just mean like you can win a world cup 
and only have one good goalkeeper on your squad. Yes, I concur like, you with that. To, you would like to have goal. some and good center backs. Have, yes, you would like to have three or four quality center backs. Four would at be least. Nice. Four is nice. You want at least three. Um, and I think the U.S. is definitely lacking in. I mean, I think the simple fact that Walker Zimmerman is our best performing center back is, is all there is to say. Yeah, that. yeah, that's all. That's all you need to know to know that we've uh, got a center back issue. Got a center back issue. Um, Yikes! But I mean, like, and and it, the other thing that that does us being weak at center back um, means that Tyler Adams is a bit busier yeah. on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot more work to do um defensively and cannot contribute as much to offense yeah which is not he's busier in the back yeah um which he's excellent at that's his he's a great you know fireman he will put out all the fires um but yeah yeah so um the other thing widely debated is of course striker yes um and we talked about it last week with jordan pfock um and that has only gotten louder after these performances um burhalter is now simply has to call pfock into the world if he doesn't he's going to look like a fool and he already looks like a fool he already looks like a fool but if he doesn't he's it's there's no other explanation for it other than I can't admit when I was wrong. Yeah. There's no other explanation. For I mean, I almost rather play with no striker. If Peacock was if, if Peacock was not on the team, I'd rather play with no striker than the strikers that hypothetically we have. Except like maybe Josh Sargent. I think Sargent should be on the roster. I'll be honest. 100%. I think Sargent should I, be I on the so roster too. because I think he's playing pretty well at Norwich right now. And and we've been we've said this we've always said this, the striker position is so dependent on current form. Yeah. And like, yeah. he's in good current form with his club. I fully Jordan think he should be on with, the roster. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he should be on the roster. Um, and I think um, Jesus Ferreira is probably the third striker, right? Yeah. But if um, he's your striker, I think that we're kind of screwed. I think, and I get that like PFOC is a different type of striker than like greg wants to play with but like my guy who cares your other other forwards slash midfield you played with josie altador for years who cares also okay a great point b the people you have surrounding him are your best players like mckinney musa reyna aronson pulisic who are you know whoever else gets thrown in there they're your absolute best players on the team they play with people like this They'll fucking be able to do it. Like, They'll get him the ball in the right position. It's okay. Like he doesn't need to be. He just he literally just needs to get the ball to him in the box. Yeah. And that and and you can play. Like I feel like Greg is so caught up in like I want to do it this way. That's that it's like we're a Concacaf team. At what point are we gonna sit here and admit we're a Concacaf team? Yeah. Let's <laughs> be a Concacaf team. Let's fuck some shit up. Like it doesn't matter. Like it does not matter. And you I have know you're who can get beautiful looking. balls into the box. Have someone who can put them in the fucking net. Like yeah. Like and I know you're sitting here. Like I'm saying. Like let's let's fuck some shit up. Let's be a Concacaf team. And you're looking at Brendan Aronson going. That kid's like five seven. Like and a really creative ball handler and yeah. not a Concacaf style player. The kid plays on leads. Yeah. You can throw him around. It's okay. He'll get up. 
They have some bruises. He might not fully appreciate it, but he'll get back up and probably push you down on his way. Or who was beating the shit out of him in the Leeds game a couple weeks ago? Remember, he was getting the, the snot beat out of him? Yeah, but, but he I was don't remember snot who was. beat out of him, but he was beating the guy. It was somebody from like Southampton or Stoke yeah. or not Stoke, but Southampton or somebody like that. Know, he'll beat the guy, cross the ball into the ball. And, and then he got the guy. And then the guy got, um, remember the guy got red carded? Yeah. There you go. Was Perfect. That guy. Whatever game that was. Um, you know, I don't know. They can, the boys can handle themselves. They might not be the biggest, burliest guys across the board. No, but they're but playing they in, like, honestly, like they're playing in Europe. They're playing at a whole different level. Like these people who we're talking about can handle it. I don't yeah. know about anyone else, but the ones that we're discussing can handle it. And uh, the Christian Pulisic problem. Uh, we love to talk about this problem. If you haven't realized that yeah. The Christian Pulisic problem is partially not his fault and then partially very much his fault, yes. in my opinion. Yeah. I think the root of the problem is not necessarily his fault, but it has grown into something that is his fault, in my opinion. Yeah. Essentially, what I'm referring to is um, five years ago, probably, when the U.S. was last in World Cup qualifiers. The only guy on that roster who was any good was was Christian Pulisic. I don't know if you remember, Rachel. This was longer than that. This must have been really early in World Cup qualifying. Or maybe it was in, maybe it was Copa America or something. But do you remember back in high school, um, we were at Pinocchio's and we were in that back room watching. And I I remember- very specifically, we were with that group of boys, like Justin and Zach. Oh, yeah. And all of them. <laughs> I do and remember this. We were in that back room at Pinocchio's and we were watching a U.S. game. I, it must have, it must have been, it was earlier than World Cup. So it wasn't the World Cup. It was, it was, we were in high school. So then last World Cup, we were sophomores in college. Um, college. <laughs> but, you know, we were a couple years deep into college for the last World Cup. Um, but it it must have been, I don't know if it was Gold Cup or Cup of May, I don't know, what it, whatever it was we were watching um, that game. And I remember us talking about Christian Pulisic and, and how we felt very bad. And he was 17 at the time because we were 17 at the time. Um, so that's just and, to have that in our heads. <laughs> yeah, it's always easy to remember how old Christian Pulisic is because he's the same age as us. Yeah. Um, but I remember us talking about him in the sense that he was the only guy at that time when he was 17 and it was like so blatant and it obvious. was like and it was like him and then the other guys on the team were like michael bradley and like that genre of altador i don't even remember who they are now which and like honestly, jesse's artist like oh god yeah like that genre and that era what an yes. era and we were and we were talking, and I remember back then, it wasn't necessarily that night, but I remember back then we would talk about how he was the beginning 
not the end all be all. Even yes. back then, we were like, oh, he's yeah. just the first of them. There's yeah. this whole generation because we knew McKinney and Adams were coming, and then yeah. not and, and, and Kim Wea was coming, and Gio Reyna was coming, and yeah. Brendan Aronson was coming. Like we didn't all know it at that. On I don't that think night. we knew about Brendan Aronson yet, but he we came. didn't know about yeah. Aronson or Reyna, or but but we knew there was a generation of guys that were around yeah. Pulisic age or a little bit younger that were doing that were gonna do similar things. Yes. Yes. But at the time, Pulisic was the only one involved. It was all we had. In our only team. hope. And so much pressure was placed on him oh because he was so clearly head and shoulders above everyone else on that team yeah. at that time. Yeah. At the age of 17. Yeah. I remember when he like he missed national camp for like two days to go to prom. Like, yeah. yeah. Like I remember that so distinctly. Like he was so much pressure was put on him at 17. I can't uh, even imagine. And that was, I'm sure, horrible to deal with, especially and when they then didn't qualify for the World Cup. Probably and I would say, yeah. nobody blamed Pulisic. Everybody was like, they did it. They failed to do it in spite of Pulisic, not because of yeah. Pulisic. Do I you remember, remember that. that article that someone on the team wrote about like the post of that? And they all, yeah. they, the, the, image that they wrote about it like Pulisic just like sitting in the shower crying yes fully and putting that sort of seemingly like, all of the weight on himself yes. and I just kind of mat like and nobody blamed that him for that been. but I think he blamed himself because oh, yeah. he knew uh, because everybody talked about it constantly and we talked about it and it was true yeah. he was head and shoulders above everybody he was the only guy playing at a he at that highest level at that time yeah. And also in that Trinidad Tobago game, he was the only one who looked good. Like and he was the only one who looked like he was play who played till the end of that game. Like Yeah. And, and this sort of then and then post that sort of as the US is rebuilding after that, the the sort of narrative becomes they're building around Pulsic. Yes. But you could understand why that's the narrative. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The problem then became, I think Pulisic very much internalized this narrative um, in the sort of, I am the national team. Yeah. Uh, because at one point he was. He was the national team. He was the national. So I think he internalized that a lot. And then not to like psychoanalyze Christian Pulisic, but that's exactly what we're doing. Right that now. is really what um, we're doing right now. And you know, I think whatever. He internalized that. And then it became sort of a. Uh, it came not only I am the national team, but then the next step to that is all of these now young, talented players are here to help me. Yes. I yes, am yes, the national yes. team. Yes. I'm yes. the face of the national team. I'm Captain America. This is my team. Yes. And I think this is okay if you stay the best player. And problem is, he hasn't. He hasn't. Yes. I think. This whole host of players that we've been talking about, Musa, Adams, McKinney, Aronson, Gio Reyna, this whole group that we've been, Tim Weah, this whole group we've been discussing as yeah. sort of the, the best guys in this group yeah. um, for a couple of years now, Pulisic is not above any of them. No. And I think you can make arguments that several of them are above Pulisic. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, yeah. Even if you don't, even if you just want to lump them all into one group, which I think you could, you could say they all play at, at you know, the same level um, and have reasonably similar amounts of success. Yeah. Um, you could say that. Um, and that would be a fair judgment to make. I think Pulisic does not know what to do with them. No, I don't and think he I does. Think, and I don't think it's helped by the fact that he was very successful at Dortmund, made this really big high-profile move to Chelsea, no, and, which has not worked. No, I, I don't think so. I also think, like, you know how much pressure, like, him playing at Dortmund like Dortmund's a top team, but like if you look at like the US, like the US is probably watching mostly the Premier League, right? Mm-hmm. The move yeah. to Chelsea for him was almost like a move into like this limelight of like American television. It it was, and it's also like Chelsea is a Champions League yeah. competitive club, a a global brand. Yeah. Like the whole different the whole game. it's a whole and i'm a dortmund game. fan i love dortmund to death but yeah. chelsea is a whole separate sort of yeah animal and it was a really high profile move and i don't think it necessarily was a mistake when he made that move i do think he was ready to move on from dortmund i completely and I agree don't think, but i think the reality of the situation is at this point he's now played under four managers at Chelsea oh yeah I think Graham Potter is the fourth I think Graham Potter is the fourth um and has not been able to break into the side under any manager nope and he's been there two uh, more than two years now yeah it's it's Um, three isn't it he's been there a couple years now played under at least three three going on four managers and has not been successful at Chelsea. At some point, it's not a it's not a lack of he's not getting his shot. They're not letting him play. It's whatever that it's he's not good enough to play. Yeah, he's and you not can good see who's playing before him, and you can make that judgment. And Chelsea bought Raheem Sterling this summer to play that position. Plays. Yeah. Like they, he just couldn't cut it at Chelsea. No, I think. And I think that was troubling as it would be, you know, to anyone. But I think particularly when, yes, while Leeds is a different caliber of team, but when you see, and and obviously Adams went there too, but when you see Brendan Aronson slide seamlessly into a Leeds squad, that is yes not playing in the champions league but he slides right into a starting position right into a successful sort of run of form in the premier league against teams beat his own team they beat chelsea yeah and and then leads are singing songs about brendan aronson yeah that's yeah. got to get to his head Oh, and That's of course it does. No, of course it does. And I and just it think you with a big question mark about okay. I think I think Christian Pulsic Pulsic is a total head case right now. Yeah, and you don't want him on this team. Well, I mean, he's going to be on this team. Hold up, but you don't. He should not be in the starting eleven what? when he's a complete head case. I completely agree. Yeah, I don't think that there's really like. 
I don't think that we can question that, especially the when simple, the people the who simple, off the pitch, if you play him, the simple straight facts of the matter are right now, today, Brendan Aronson is a better player than Christian Pulisic. We've said it here for folks. I, I don't agree. think you can really argue that he's not. Well, I definitely can't because I agree with you. So here we are. But I mean, like, if I, and I'm not talking about, I'm not minimizing what Pulisic has done for the U.S. in the past. No, I'm saying absolutely today, not. Brendan Aronson is, and if you want to say it, it's form, you want to say it's better form. We can say that I I made the blanket statement. He's a better player, period. I think that's true. But if you want to just leave it at Brendan Aronson is in better form than Christian Pulisic, that's, That's there's no arguing with that at all. No, I don't think it's possible. No one would argue with that. Uh, You know, and I just don't think like, like at some point Pulisic has got to adapt it's sink or swim yeah I'm gonna be honest yeah and I think he's at a critical moment for him in the sense that if he wants to lead this team if he wants to captain this group which frankly I think it's pretty clear to me that Tyler Adams is the captain of this group which I've said I mean let's just hope that happens we need we need some level-headedness on this team If he wants to be a leader in this locker room, he needs to, I think he needs perhaps, uh, I don't know if it's an ego check, a little bit of a reality check. uh, I mean, the problem is is that there's no one, like, I think the problem is, is that, and this harkens back to everything that we've been saying, they don't, like, like, he is, like, the older wiser more experienced player you know what i mean and so there's and no one so really many ways to tell him like there's no one who's like you know the old experienced person to be like say something to him like this team doesn't have that no and the coach is not like, that and the problem is christian pulsick is in many ways the face of u.s soccer yeah and I think honestly, before the 2026 World Cup, unless Pulisic has a has a and and I think Pulisic can come back, right? He's 24. Like there's, yeah, I think gosh, Pulisic. I mean, he's not like at the other club his career or anything. No, but I think Pulisic needs a needs a club move. To he needs to get out of Chelsea. Yes. Yes, but I think yes. if he, I genuinely think that U.S. soccer needs to rebrand between now and 2026 so that this is not Christian so that Christian Pulisic is not the the face of the whole team he can be if you want to rebrand it as a team rebranded as a team he can be one of the faces but if you're gonna put a single I don't think you should ever put it on a single guy unless it's really obvious there's only one guy right unless you've got Lionel Messi on the team in which case okay fair enough um or you're like Norway and where you've got Holland and Odegaard and then everybody else, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, there are circumstances where it makes sense. It no longer makes sense for the U.S. They need a, a bit of a rebrand. I 100%. Think. And I don't know if that would help or hurt Pulisic, but it it would help. Like, I feel like U.S. soccer and Berhalter, and I don't have a lot of faith in Berhalter, so this is maybe not no. in his thing, but I think like, 
if even if I liked Burhalter and he I think he's sort of backed into a corner a little bit with Pulisic yes. because he's the face of the the team like how do you mm-hmm. not play him he's the face of the team yeah 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 it's not it's, it's not easy you know? so I just think like there needs to be a little bit of a rebrand but that's sort of running away from what we're currently talking about which is the world cup which starts in like six weeks yeah. um so let's we wanted to we had when the world cup group stage like groups came out we gave our like very way too early like very uneducated guesses sort of um mm-hmm. and we want to now six weeks away all like international games done this is where we're at um kind of be like what are your what are the predictions i don't think that we have to go through every group but like who are like your top five favorites maybe um um i think in a in a bit of a departure from our previous discussion i think the i think and i alluded to this earlier i think brazil and argentina have separated themselves from the pack a little bit i think those are the two clear favorites um I think it's hard to pick a single team from the European group. Um, I think everything we said about the sort of like potential dark horses from the, from AFCON or from the Asia, um, the Asian groups, um, are, all are still true. Um, wow, there was crazy lightning just now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, but anyways let me get back on track there um I, I don't think any of that i think the only thing i think i've raised the profile of the brazilian team and the argentine team yeah in yeah. a way that i think i feel like when we last talked about it we talked a lot about france england. and and england as potential favorites out of england. the european group i think it's hard to pick out of this european group um who like who's separated themselves from the pack i don't think anyone really has i don't think Um, anyone has either yeah as we've alluded earlier i suspect that we may see some very different looking performances when it comes to the actual world cup um, i I would completely agree but i would say the dutch are probably even happier than they already were um with their group stage group yeah yeah, the Dutch, I think, are the European team. I, I've actually, I think, I didn't, we didn't talk about the Dutch very much previously. I actually now think that the Dutch could make a run. Um, I think that they could get out of their group relatively easily. I think they don't have like anybody else in their group. Yeah, because they're the they're they were like the second ball in their draw, and they're first. They're in the in the Qatar group yeah so they like don't have anybody in it yeah um i think they have it's like senegal isn't there maybe yeah and and i do think that senegal will i mean i would assume that senegal gets out of that group right like you would assume that but the point being i think that the dutch are are gonna i i and of course world cup is a world cup crazy shit can happen yeah you never know but I think looking at it, the Dutch are perhaps going to have an easier time in the group stage than a lot of other people. Yeah. Which yeah. can be a good thing or a bad thing. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it all depends. Um, I think they too may be going in with the most confidence considering their group and considering how they played their last few games. But again, confidence can be cockiness and you 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 just never you never know. Um, but I do think that they probably are feeling pretty good about everything right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, I forget what I said last time we talked about it, about who I wanted to win. I forget too. Um, but I am now saying I am heavily pulling for Argentina. Okay. Interesting. I, I mean, again, I'd be fully happy for Argentina. I mean, honestly, for Messi, just give it to the, like, that's, that's really, it would, just, it, would it would close the I book think- on any hypothetical of him not being the best player. Um, I just think I want it for Messi. I think he deserves it. I think this Argentina team they deserve looks it the too. best they have looked in Messi's entire career. They look better so, than they do in, than they did in the 2014 World uh-huh. Cup. Absolutely. I think this is a better Argentina team I than think in so 2014. Yeah. Um, and it just there's something about it that feels like there's a chance. They f- I think after winning the Copa America, I feel like they feel like they can do it. They have the momentum. They have I think they feel something and I think I think it's funny actually if you've seen some of the memes from the Argentina group um, no. <laughs> or about the Argentina group about Messi's bodyguards. Oh, that's um, funny. I appreciate that. And I'm going to be honest, I feel like this Argentina team, yes, they want it for themselves. But I genuinely feel like this Argentina team wants it so badly for Messi. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is really beautiful. I yeah. Think oh, I think so they, too. They want it for him. Yeah. And honestly, that's one of the best motivators out there, right? And so. Yeah, I so I, I've I'm decided. Be, I'm going to be I'm, over here rooting for Denmark per usual. I mean, I, I don't always think it's that crazy. A little bit. Yeah. Um, um, gonna be out here rooting for Denmark. I mean, I do think that they can do pretty well. I think that they're playing pretty well. Ericsson's back. Talk about talk about a team playing for a player in Euros yeah, last year. Yeah, I think too. that like yeah. having him back is just gonna like I just love them. Um, so hell yeah, Denmark. I don't yes, know how a, realistic it is for them to win it all. I think they at heart, we know. I am. I belong there. We all know that. Um, yeah, I mean, then, like, I don't know. I don't know who else. Gotta, like, root for, like, South Korea to win a game. Gotta love some. I, I don't know. know. I'm gonna do what I do best and be a hater. And I'm going to root. I'm gonna root against France. And uh, I'm gonna root against Portugal. Yeah, I tend um, to do that too. Well, I though. just said I'm rooting for Argentina, but I'm you. also going to root very actively against France and yeah. very actively against Portugal. Yeah. Um, and obviously, sorry, Bernardo, I very love, like, but no. you're going to root for any upset, like dark horse. Yeah. Like, we're saying these teams, but there's going to be someone like crazy and random to come out of one of the group stages, and you're going to root for them. And then that's just how it's going to be. Like, I won't lie. I feel like the the like upstart dark horse could be Canada. I love Canada. 
I will say there was this funny article that we both read that was like, oh, the U.S. is showing their true colors in the third best team in CONCACAF, which I think we yeah. had fought with outside of that, but I enjoyed that. As it a was a funny, funny, it was funny. I would say the U.S. is the second best team in CONCACAF. I think saying that Mexico is better than. Sure. I think that that's fine, but true. I think that everyone. You want to you want to argue Canada is better than the U.S. That's fair enough, but. Clearly, as we just said. Fuck off with Mexico. Ago. Fuck off with Mexico. I don't want to hear it. Um, I'd be so happy. Like I like I don't know. Like I have nothing against Canada. Like, I love right? Alfonso Davies. I love Alfonso Davies. They have some other really good guys. Jonathan Davies. Like they're just gonna good. be happy about it. And they're like, hell yeah, we're back in the World Cup after years. What can you hate about? They're Canadians. It's just about you right. Know, I mean, I don't want a blanket hey, statement that all Canadians. You're gonna hate the good. Canadians. Well, like. Mm. Maybe not in sports. I feel like they've done some questionable things overall. Anyway, I mean, we're digressing from the point. What has the Canadian men's soccer team done? Like nothing. They just are vibing. They are just playing school, man. You know? Yeah. They're vibing. They're looking good. I don't know. I like them as a dark horse. Yeah, I don't I haven't really thought about a good dark horse. I I mean they'd be a fun dark horse. I would say, I mean, I would say not that like I'm only talking about Japan, maybe because I just watched them. I don't think that I don't the feasibility of them getting out of a group with Spain and Germany just doesn't seem likely. Yeah. But you never know. Um, and I think it would be cool if they were able to. I do think that they have I will the quality say, in order to be able to do it. I will also say I would love nothing more than nigeria to go on a run i agree also because not only nigeria per- are always the best looking team at the world cup was, they are well, that's what i was about to say as well, they always have the best jerseys hands down no argument yeah so yeah i would love i yeah there's just there there are so many teams i think that again i i would agree with your statement of not wanting portugal and not wanting france but outside of that i I don't know. I don't want Qatar, but like they're not going to do anything, so it doesn't matter. I will also say, actually, as as a final, more serious note, as we discuss some of this, there have been. I don't know if you saw. There's a group of teams. I think all European teams who are going to be wearing, like those armbands and like protests mm-hmm. against Qatar at the World I Cup. I saw that Harry Kane's captain armband. I believe is. Uh... A pride flag yeah and so i think like denmark wales i don't know germany france like there's a there's a cohort of teams and then denmark is going a whole nother step i don't know if anyone else is doing this either their jerseys their jerseys have like no they're like the all like color no uh Uh what is that called endorsement thing on the front um just as like a, an important note, I think that we will be seeing like this. That's it's going to be a very big yeah, part of the World the, Cup, and I think an important politics, thing to discuss as we talk about it. Outside of the soccer of it all, the football of it all, the the politics of this World Cup are not um, nice, alarming, disturbing, <laughs> yeah, uncomfortable. They are at best uncomfortable, um, and I think. There's also been some inc- more and more concerning sort of things about the infrastructure surrounding the World Cup. Yeah. So I will say at the end of the day, 
the end all be all i would like everyone to make it through this world cup unscathed yeah that includes fans that includes everyone going yeah um, spectators coaches players, players everything and i would like to say post this let's never have a world cup in the winter ever again yes put our foot down on that one and keep it in june yes um yes. but on that note that's what you've got for this week a bit rambly not terrible a bit um, rambly but we will be back to our normally scheduled program of premier league european soccer games next week which will hopefully be a little bit more structured yes sorry the thunderstorm going on right now is crazy <laughs> I, like the lightning keeps like i'm so i'm so distracted by the lightning all right well anyway we're this weekend let's go uh yeah We've got two Darbys coming up in a couple. Like Isn't two days. there a South London Derby too? I don't know, man. But whoever decided to pit, put them all together on the same day, like the weekend after an international break, is quite crazy. Well, anyway. Y'all are on Saturday, right? We're on Sunday. Yeah, seven thirty a.m. on Saturday. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I am getting up for that. You're gonna get up. Don't lie to me. Yeah, you're getting right. up. You're a sucker for it. Um. <laughs> Anywho, with that, we are signing off for this week um, and leave you with all of that chaos to think about um, until next week. So goodbye. That's all for this week. We'll see you next week on Kicking Balls.